Good morning, Homestead Church. I'm so excited to be with you today. You can tell I'm in our new auditorium. Um, I kind of want to cry that the first time I'm preaching in here, you're not with me, but you know what? We're going to be together soon enough, so I'm just excited to be with you today. We're continuing on our series called The Adventures of Paul. We've been talking about the life of Paul, looking at all the things that he went through, all the different lessons that we can learn from his life, and we're going to continue on today in Acts chapter 20. So just a little bit of background. Last week, Jeff talked about Paul's adventure in Ephesus, where he was getting everybody was riled up because um, the culture was changing, the idols weren't selling, and so where we left Paul was in Ephesus. So in Acts chapter 20, Paul has left Ephesus, and he's going to Macedonia, which is where he was before, and he stops and he encourages the believers there. Then he travels back to Greece. So he's in the town of Corinth. So again, this is the place where he would have eventually written the book of Corinthians too. So he goes back to Corinth and he stays there for about three months. Now, interesting fact, this is about the time that scholars believe that he would have written the book of Romans. This trip back to Corinth would have been when he sat down and wrote a letter to his friends, the Christians back in Rome. And that is what we have today in our Bibles is the book of Romans. So that's when that was uh, being written. And he was preparing to go to Syria, but then he discovered there was a plot by the Jews in Syria to have him killed. And so he decides to scrap that plan, and he heads back to Macedonia. So the next story that happens is a really interesting story. And of course, all interesting stories need to be told by our Big Top Kids toy theater. So watch this. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Big Top Kids Toy Theater. Today we are looking at another one of the adventures of Paul. This week's story is found in Acts chapter 20. Paul has left Ephesus. Remember the place last week we talked about where all the people were shouting at him? Aliens! Open the churches! Well, he left Ephesus and now he has gone to a place called Troas. Troas? Troas. When he got there, he gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper, also known as Communion. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he just kept talking and talking and talking. It was the longest sermon ever. He kept talking. Well, a funny thing happened to me the other day. Oh, I've heard this story before. And talking. Well, in the Greek, this word means, oh, man, I'm so tired of hearing about the Greek. Everybody turn to their neighbor and say, Gospel. Oh, I don't like turning to my neighbor and saying things. Well, he kept talking and talking. The sermon was so long, it was going until after midnight. Well, upstairs, the room where they were meeting was lighted with many flickering lamps. And it was nice and warm. And it was getting dark. And people were starting to get sleepy. Sometimes people fall asleep during the sermons at church. Well, 
upstairs where they were meeting as Paul spoke on and on and on and on and on and on. There was a young man named Eutychus. Is that the right way you say that name? I think it's Eucantitus. Ah, no, I think it's Eumimus. No, I think it's Eushimus. Bless you. His name is Eutychus. He was sitting up, leaning against the window. And since they were in the upper room, the window was three stories high. And since the sermon went on and on and on and the flickering lights and the dark and the warm and the boring sermon, Eutychus got very sleepy. And then Eutychus fell sound asleep and then fell out of the window. And when he landed on the ground, awkwardly, (laughs) Eutychus was dead. Well, Paul ran outside. Oh no, another person has died during my preaching. He ran outside to find him and he bent over Eutychus and he took him in his arms. (laughs) And he said to him, don't worry everybody, he's alive. And everyone went, wow, yay. Oh good, we can hear more preaching. And it was true, Eutychus was alive. God had heard Paul's prayer when he prayed for Eutychus and he brought him back to life. I'm alive, let's have more preaching. And they all went back upstairs and had communion together and ate together. And then Paul said, well now for part two of my sermon. And they preached and he preached all night until the sun came back up in the morning and then Paul left. And that's all I have to say about that. Meanwhile, Eutychus was taken home. He was alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved, and they rejoiced for the miracle they had just seen. Hooray! Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) Then he rode away on the upside-down horse. The end. I, I died during church today. <laughs> so did your reports. <laughs> so after Paul had finished this time in Troas, he left by land to go to a few more places. So he travels by land and then he gets on a boat and he travels through a bunch of different places. And then he arrives in a town called Miletus. Now, Paul was trying to get to Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. So he doesn't stop at Ephesus again, which is he's gonna go past it. But when he lands in Miletus, he calls for the leaders of the church in Ephesus to come and see him. And he has this really incredible encounter with them. And that's what I want to look at today. In Acts chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 18. It says, when they arrived, talking about those leaders from Ephesus, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the providence of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting of your sins 
and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I've preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink back from declaring all that God wants you to know. This passage of scripture gives us some insight into these last days of Paul's life and his ministry and his calling. Paul has this sense that he's walking into something difficult. And he is right. We have the hindsight of history. We can go and look back and see that once Paul finishes, leaves here and heads over and gets to Jerusalem, this begins the journey of Paul being imprisoned, being in shipwrecked, all these really difficult things. And eventually, he begins the journey to being executed. We have hindsight to see that once he gets to Jerusalem, he will spend a number of years in prison. He will spend significant time defending himself. And eventually, he will die for his faith. Paul was given a difficult assignment and we look, as we look at his response and his actions and his words, I think it's going to help you and I. Because sometimes God gives us difficult assignments. Sometimes God gives you and I difficult assignments. I think sometimes people get an idea in their heads that if they love Jesus and they follow his plan for their lives, that there won't be any hard times or challenges. Or that when those hard times and challenges come, we declare somehow we're out of God's will. We pray and ask God to remove those circumstances so that we can get back to the smooth sailing and the smooth path. And it's true. Sometimes those difficult circumstances are attacks from the enemy. They're plans to derail us. They're distractions. And we can pray and ask God to remove those. And he comes in his power and his might and he changes those circumstances and he makes the path smooth again. That is true. But it is also true that sometimes God's plan is to take us through difficult circumstances. That his plan does not involve him removing those things. But his plan involves us going through them and having to walk through those things. Sometimes God gives us difficult assignments. One will that will test every part of our faith and our resolve. And sometimes it's true that God's plan is not to remove the difficult road, but he's asking us to walk knowingly and willingly into difficulty because it will bring greater glory and honor to his name than if he cleared away all the obstacles and made the path easy and smooth. There are times when a diagnosis comes and God miraculously brings healing for the glory of his name. There are times that he just takes it away, but also for the glory of his name. There are times that he asks us to walk through the difficult assignment of sickness 
And the way that we walk and the way that we handle ourselves and the closeness we get with Jesus during those times also brings glory to the name of God. There are times when we pray for provision and God gives us a new job and all the resources we need and God is glorified through that answer of prayer. We needed it and it came and it was just amazing. But also there are times when God says, I'm gonna provide for your needs and he takes us into a season of uncertainty and instability and we learn the truth of the phrase and the scripture that God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. And he does so in a beautiful and supernatural way. And we learn to rely on him in a new way in the uncertainty. And God is glorified through our new understanding of how he is our provider. There are times when we ask God to take away a problem or a conflict just to make it go away. And sometimes he does. He resolves it quickly. He intervenes and he causes a change of circumstances and we can move on and he is glorified through the fast resolution of that problem. But there are also times when the resolution is not fast and we're faced with a circumstance and we feel the Lord grab a hold of our shoulders and say, okay, this one's gonna take a while. And this one's going to be hard. And we're going to have to walk this road for a while. But I promise you I'm going to be with you. And we're going to get to the other side. And when we get to the other side, there will be deeper healing and restoration than you could have ever imagined. But it's not going to be fast and it's going to be a lot of hard work. But I'm going to be with you through it. And we step into the fire. And we discover in the fire that God is with us. And even though it's all around us feels chaotic and upside down, we learn the precious truth that our God walks in the fire with us, that we are not alone, and that he stands there with us. And we emerge free and closer to Jesus than we ever were before, and I promise you we'll never want to change that knowledge, for, trade it for anything, because we have learned something about our God in the fire. Sometimes God gives us difficult assignments. And it's our job that when the difficult assignments come, that we loosen our grip and we submit ourselves to the sovereign hand of God, the God who knows what is for our highest good, so we can trust him. So I want us to look at Paul's response to a difficult assignment. This is the beginning of a turn in Paul's ministry where he faces obstacle after obstacle, after hardship after hardship. And it can help us in the moments when we are also asked to do something hard. So number one, we can learn this. Walking close with the Spirit will give you insight when God is asking you to take on a difficult assignment. When we, I read the beginning of that passage, Acts 20, verse 2 to 3, it says that while there, Paul encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through, and then he traveled down to Greece where he stayed for three months. I told you that story earlier. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by the Jews against his life. So he decided to return through Macedonia. So we see back 
at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 that the same threat came. That Paul heard that there was a threat against his life. And so Paul avoided it. He said, oh, they are out to get me over there. I think maybe I'll go this direction. And he avoided that, that plot against him. But then we read in just a few verses later that the same threat comes to him regarding Jerusalem. And his response is, but I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. They were similar circumstances, but God directed him away from the problem in one and towards the problem in the other. So I had to ask myself the question, what was the difference? Why did he avoid the plot in Syria, but walk headlong into the plot in Jerusalem? I believe when you walk close with the Spirit, he will speak to you and he will lead you. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 2510 says, The Lord leads with loving faithfulness and kindness. This is a very important verse to me because in the moments when God is shifting us and showing us, hey, I want you to walk this path, and maybe it's not the easiest path, it brings such comfort for me to know that, first of all, God leads us. He directs us. And not only is he showing us the way to go, that it's always lovingly in kindness and faithfulness directed that God is not leading us without his heart fully engaged in that God will tell you when you are going to go through something hard he will guide you he will give you a sense that hey I'm asking you to go through this this is going to be hard but it's going to be okay we have to be close to God so you can hear him speak to you I believe that he will guide you, even if it's a difficult assignment, that you will have this sense inside of you that God is saying, you need to turn right here. You need to turn left here. And if we're just relying on, hey, this is good, I should go. Hey, this is bad, I should stay away. I don't think that that's the way that God intends us to make decisions in our life. Because sometimes he might ask us to do something really hard. So the Lord leads with loving faithfulness and kindness. We need to be close to God so that we can hear his direction. Number two, we can learn from this passage that God will give you a word to prepare you for difficult assignments. In verse 22, Paul said, I now am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Now, why would God tell Paul that hardship, prison, and death await him in Jerusalem? I don't know about you, but if bad news is coming, the, the anticipation to me is the worst. It's almost like, I just don't want to know. I just want it to hit me upside the head and be totally shocked because this knowledge that something is coming is just, ah, it's the worst. And yet we see that the Holy Spirit tells Paul, hey, I'm telling you now, something's coming and it's not great. I'm telling you now, God tells Paul because he is preparing Paul for what is going to happen so that he will be ready when it comes. 
We see in chapter 21, just a little bit after this, that a number of believers, as Paul continues his journey towards Jerusalem, a number of believers share prophecy with Paul that when he gets to Jerusalem, hardship awaits him. Make sure you read that chapter this week because it's really interesting. And they beg him, Paul, don't go. Paul, the Holy Spirit has showed us that when you get to Jerusalem, something bad is going to be happening. One guy actually binds him and says, this is what awaits you when you get to Jerusalem. Please do not go. Please do not go. But this time, Paul knows that these prophecies are warnings to prepare him, not to avoid it. God has spoken to Paul. And so when other people try and tell him to avoid it, to hate, shift that, that way, there's something in his soul that knows that even though it's going to be hard, that he needs to walk that road. We see that this time of preparation is fortifying Paul's resolve. He is doing the mental work now of preparing himself to not give up in the middle of it because it's going to get difficult. He is doing the work now in preparation. It makes me think about when we decided to start Homestead. We started Homestead five or six years ago, but probably eight or nine years ago was when we really felt God speak to Jeff and I very clearly saying, there's something new on the horizon for you. I have something new that I am giving, leading you towards. And at that time, we loved what we were doing. We were happy. We were comfortable. We were excelling. We were well-resourced. We were able to do all the things that we wanted to do. And God told us well in advance that change was coming because it was probably not until a few years after that when we decided to transition out of where we were and begin this journey. And little did we know that it was going to be a really hard journey. That when God told us something new is coming, we were kind of like, okay, great, next month. What is it? What is it? What is it? And we went into a season where Jeff resigned his job, and we had almost four years without a steady income. It's a season of my life that I call my Ravens season, and this is why. There's a story in First Kings where the prophet Elijah, there's a famine in the land, and so he goes out into the wilderness and God tells him, you go out into the wilderness, there's going to be a famine and a drought, but every morning the ravens are going to fly in and they're going to feed you. Every day they're going to come and they're going to bring you food. And that's exactly what happened. He's out there, there's no food, there's no water, but every day the ravens will come and they will bring him food for the day. And that's what that season of life was, season of life was like for Jeff and I. We were fed by the raisins. We Raisins. Ravens. We were fed by the ravens. I suppose we could cut that out, but I promise we'll probably leave that in. We were fed by the ravens. God provided for us. He provided for us every day. It wasn't like there was a steady paycheck coming in. It wasn't like there was a cash, um, just a bunch of cash dropped at our house. But every day there was provision. And then the next day there was enough provision. And the next day there was provision. And you know what? God took care of us every day, step by step, provision by provision, grace by grace. Now, all of this time, that was incredibly precious to me, but it was also incredibly difficult. But you know what helped? You know what helped in that season? That little sentence in the back of our heads that God had told us, I have something new for you on the horizon. 
Because in the moment, it just looked like we just made a terrible decision. It just looked like we didn't know what we were doing, that we were stuck in our lives, that the walls were going to fall down. We didn't know what we were doing, but there was this underlying sense that when Jeff and I would look at each other, I'd say, do you think we heard God wrong? And he'd say, no. I said, me neither. I don't know what's going on, but I know that we are right where we're supposed to be. And when things were difficult, with every delay, we held on to that promise. Something new is coming. With every hardship, we had a deep sense that God was teaching us something and preparing us. And every time we paid a bill, we thought God is showing us what it means to rely on his provision. Now, it didn't make it easy. It didn't make it easy at all. But it did bring clarity and purpose that we had a word from the Lord. God will give you a word when you are heading into a difficult assignment. It might come like us beforehand. It might come like Paul where it was beforehand that he says, I know in my spirit that something hard is going to await me. The Holy Spirit has showed me that. It might come right as everything starts happening where God speaks something to you through his word or through prayer or through another person or something just this sense of, you know, what God is speaking to you. But he will give you something to hold on to you, to hold on in difficult times. But the most important thing is this. Listen when he speaks to you. Don't stick your fingers in your ears and pretend you can't hear when God is talking to you because he's saying something that you don't want to hear, that he's saying something that's hard or something that scares you. Listen when he's speaking to you. You can do that. You can ignore those little prompts. You can ignore that prompting by the Holy Spirit that tells you that something's coming. But if you do, you will miss the time that is set aside to fortify you and strengthen you and get your resolve ready and prepare you mentally for it so that when you walk into it, you're ready. So listen to the Holy Spirit. So we can learn that walking close to the Spirit will give you insight as to where God is leading. We know that God will give you a word to help you prepare and to strengthen your resolve. And lastly, Difficult circumstances will crystallize your purpose. Look at Acts 20, verses 22 through 27. This is what Paul says. And now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I've preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault, for I didn't shrink back from declaring that all God wants you to know. This knowledge of a difficult assignment has caused Paul to strip away all the extra things and gain very specific clarity about his life and his purpose. He says, my life is worthless unless I'm sharing the gospel. So if I'm going to hide away because I know that sharing the gospel is going to cause me pain, what's the point? My life is worthless unless I'm doing that. And if sharing the good news costs me my freedom and my life, then I'm okay with that. 
Paul has had to process all of this and come to the conclusion that what else matters if I can't spread the love of Christ? His conscience was clear because he had been faithful to declare the message of Christ and do what he, God had asked him to do. And you know what? For you and I, difficult assignments have a way of bringing everything into focus. We can see what's really important. We can see what have I been spending my time and energy on that really doesn't matter. What do I really want my life to be about? Where have I put my hope and my identity and my treasure? You start to look at all of those things. And all of those things are revealed in difficult assignments. And suddenly, you see your purpose crystallize. And everything becomes very clear. Yes, my career is valuable. Yes, I enjoy things for my own pleasure and they're valuable to me and God has given me things to enjoy. That is true. Yes, my hopes and dreams for what I'm going to do in my life are important. But at the end of the day, none of it compares with the singular mission of those of us that follow Christ Jesus. And that's to honor him with our lives and to tell others that there's salvation through Christ Jesus. That's it. That's all that matters. And Paul says, I know what awaits me. But that's okay because what else is worth it if I can't preach the message of Christ? God, I believe, is asking some of you to take on a difficult assignment. And you've been praying, Lord, take this away. God, make it go away. God, I don't like this. I anticipate this coming. I see where you're leading and I... I know you're saying turn right, but I really want to turn left. And you've been praying and asking God to take it away. And you're maybe watching other people pray the same prayer. And God has taken away their obstacle. He's removed it. He's restored the relationship. He's brought the healing. And you're wondering, what about me? And yet today, God is whispering something to you. He's whispering something different to your heart in this season. He is saying, I'm sorry, honey, but we're going to have to walk the long road. This isn't going to be a short one. This isn't going to be an easy one. And something inside of you right now is sensing that this is going to be one that might take a while. And so for all of us, at the end of the day, when we are asked to step into difficult assignments, our desire should be to honor God in the midst of it and through it all to point others back to Jesus. Now, this does not mean that any of this is easy. None of this is easy. But we know this. God will be with you when you go through difficult times. And you will feel the strength and closeness of Jesus the most when you are going through the hardest things. I want to leave you today with one of my favorite scriptures. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, 
You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray for my friends today that have a sense in their spirit that you are asking them to walk into a difficult assignment. Lord, I thank you for the times that you have miraculously changed circumstances, but Father, I also look back and I see the times that you've asked us to take the long way around, the times when you haven't removed the obstacle, but instead you've asked me to walk through it with you. Lord, I look back at those times with such incredible gratitude of how you walked with me such an incredible sense of your spirit, such a close and intimate time with you. And so, Lord, I want to lift up those today who sense you leading them into a time, God, that might be challenging, that might be hard. Father, may we have the same spirit as Paul that says, I know this is hard, but I am bound to do the will of Christ. Lord, I will go wherever you ask me to go. I will do whatever you ask me to do. I will trust you in the process. I will trust you in the fire. I will trust you when the water feels like it's up to my neck and I can barely breathe. I will trust that you have promised I will not drown. I thank you, Lord, that we can know that you are with us. You are for us. And you always will take care of us. So, Lord, I pray that now you will bring a resolve, you will bring clarity to people, and they will know that if you are asking them to go through something difficult, that you will never leave their side. In Jesus' name.